0: This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of
1: fitness.
2: Alrighty. Welcome back. Episode 30 of the Strategy of Fitness podcast, a Saturday heat edition with WrestleMania playing in the background. Nick Cressy joined weekly, Dan, Goren, Rob Rowland. What's going on, boys? Another man,
0: it's cool you have WrestleMania. I had the lower red AEW on. It was the closest thing to live sports. So I'm watching AEW in a, in a, in a in my frat chain with some buddies uh, talking about, you know, matches on AEW in front of three people. So it's about as depressing as it gets sports wise. Rob, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm uh, chowing down on some food right now. So if you hear me slurping around, I'm just eating some chicken.
2: What do you got there? I mean, it's nine o'clock at night. So what are we doing? Just late night dinner?
1: Oh, uh, my whole sh- schedule is shifted. Right, like I don't go to bed till like two two thirty with this with the new baby. So <laughs> <laughs> consider it like six seven o'clock over here. What time do you get up? Uh, today I got up at like ten o'clock.
2: Hell yeah! That's great. Good for you. At least you're not going to sleep at two thirty and waking up at six thirty. No,
1: I take the late late feeding and Mara's been a saint in taking like the, the early morning stuff so she lets me sleep. She knows I'm cranky when I don't sleep.
0: <laughs> How's <laughs>
1: actually Jackson doing? He's doing really well. Mara's doing doing all the work. I'm just trying to make sure like the house doesn't fall apart as she keeps this thing alive. Sweet.
2: Awesome. So how was how was the week, guys? I know Dan you went crazy hitting some workouts i think we should probably start with the elephant in the room and let's talk about your your wad that got some some acclaim on on instagram keeping it 100 let's talk about it
0: yeah so it got some acclaim i i I'm, I'm in a weird headspace I, I did terribly on that when I did it like like I said sometimes I go out there and it's just like cold and it was like kind of damp and rainy and I'm just like slumping through this workout and then I put up the workout and everyone's like I got this I got that and everyone's super <laughs> jacked up about it which is awesome which we love but then I got super emasculated because like now beat me your mom beat me like your whole family so it was like sometimes you put yourself out there it backfires up bigly so my first time was like 1846 and I redid it got 1515 15. so I still got my ass smoked by just about everyone that tried it. However, if I came up with a workout that people did and had some fun and got some movement in, that's always awesome. So shout out to everyone who did that workout. And it was a, you know, I, I didn't try it, you know, before I did it, but I made it up and worked out pretty well.
2: Yeah. What was it? Was it the, the push that were the limiting factor? I'm assuming. Actually the first time.
0: Yes. And then the second time I just had a strategy. I was going to, I was trying to hit 10 every 10 seconds with a 10 second break. So I'm sorry, okay. 10 every 20 seconds. Okay. So yeah, it worked out to be like seven or eight seconds. I hit 10 push ups and then I have like a 12 second break. I hit that for almost three minutes and got that done. And then the sit-ups just take, like I suck at sit-ups and this is where my PT thing, like this is where fi- being a physical therapist and, and being a CrossFitter kind of goes counteract because we're all trying to preach, you know, slow, steady movement. And then when you're trying to do 100 sit-ups per time, what I realized the second time I did it, I, I did so much better. If you just start from this sit up and like I'm always trying to control eccentrically and get a nice controlled descent into my next one to have like a nice, pretty smooth rep. It's like if you just flop back down and just shoot back up, like that's a thousand times easier. So it's just me just trying to monitor my form too closely, not realizing it's for time and I'm going to get roasted by fucking everyone on the internet.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, I did it and I, I was shooting for under 10. I ended up getting 1059. The the sit ups were my slow point, man. I did ab mat sit ups with a little rogue tool, and they took me like three minutes, and I did not stop. I mean, it was constant movement. So yeah. that was that was frustrating to me as well. And then you know, with some of these women doing it, they can cycle through the if they're decent at you know leg volume, they can just pump through those those squats so much faster than we can, just because they're obviously lower to the ground. So.
0: Yeah, there's no excuses. No, there's
2: no excuses. I mean,
0: Mal and your mom are fucking awesome, and they they kill that workout. So, I mean, I'm happy. To, like, there's girls that beat me the gym all the time. And shit happens, and more power to them. They, they did great.
2: Yeah, well. absolutely. I know we're gonna circle back on a couple others that you and I both did this week. Rob, would you get into? I, I know you could relate to
1: this, Nick. When you wa- after watching like a few PT tests in the the military, like when guys start going on sit ups, there's absolutely no form to it it's just like this aggressive (laughs) humping type move guys eyes roll back in their head they start slamming into the ground like it's the only way to get like a really good score in a pt test so dan you just gotta you gotta sacrifice your tailbone and your back and just just go for it man
0: yeah i i I did a better job the second time i think if i did it one more time and i really had that in mind i think i could go go sub 15 but that it was a little harder work would you say it was a little tougher than you thought it was gonna be nick
2: it was just slower. I didn't think it was incredibly hard. It was just yeah. like, man, I did not really take much time off at all. Like there was no time where I was stopped. I didn't stop on any of the squats. Reverse lunges were fine. It just I was just not as fast as I thought I'd be. It was yeah. a good sweat though. I really liked it.
1: I didn't do any of the the workouts I put out last week cuz my my new bike came in the mail so I, I got uh, ah, yeah. Got to know the Concept2 bike. So as soon as I set it up, I went for the marathon ride which was <laughs> Horrible idea. I was under, under fueled for it. I bonked out at like 45 minutes into it. So I had to turn the damper down to like a one or a two and just sit on that bike and keep my legs moving to finish up the last like twenty thousand meters, which was horrible idea. Had a couple other <laughs> workouts with that. I you guys were talking about Cal this week. I did that with the set the set of kettlebells I have here. I went out to the track, did the did the DG ladder yesterday. Oh, I gotta hear the times. All right, so my legs felt like they were full of sand yesterday after hitting that Concept2 bike two days in a row. So I sold down the 400s. They were like 110 and then 115. My 800s were like 304 and 308. And my mile time was like 705, 706. I just totally dogged my mile. So
0: can you add up your totals? Because I, I thought that would be a good score because I added, actually added up my totals. Maybe you could do it kind of as we're talking or something and, and we can relay those. So my total time for that was 1551.
2: That's not including. That's not including rest time, correct? No, no,
0: just the just the movement times. So that works out to be like a six fifteen or six twenty mile. See, my times for that, I got my four hundred was. I put them on on the Instagram. 112, 800, 307, mile at six forty eight, eight hundred at three eighteen, and the last four hundred I was dead. One twenty six, fucking awful. But one twelve was a PR, so I was pumped about that. Dude,
1: I'll try that to hit that, those, that. that mile in the middle is just a mental <laughs> mental hurdle, man. I, I was I was so soft on that. I needed somebody there to yell at me.
0: I'm glad that I developed a workout that like made you like you know took you out of your comfort zone a little bit. That that makes me feel really good about myself.
1: Yeah, it's that that walk around. You know, you can't you can't dog your laps when you're giving yourself that full recovery. So
0: yeah, exactly because you get such a good rest and you feel great going into the, like your first you know hundred
1: feels awesome in every one of them. Yeah, and there was some high school kid out there that was like six nine, 120 pounds, running 400 <laughs> repeats, and he was just absolutely gliding around the track and it was really discouraging me i was getting pretty pissed at him him <laughs> up he he would have if i could have caught him it, it wouldn't have taken very long he was pretty frail he's <laughs> probably flying though oh my god it, it's it's amazing to watch like those middle distance guys cuz they're going so fast but it just looks effortless
2: let's talk kazu real quick By the way, because this is a good one, you can modify it at home, but you really don't need much. Sounds like you did it with kettlebells. The workout as prescribed is one of the all time worst workouts ever. It's four time. It's 100 thrusters at 135 pounds, five burpees at the top of every minute. So really what that looks like is do as many, you know, it's a survival workout. You gotta, you gotta get your thrusters in early before those burpees start to crush you. And then before the weight starts to, really feel heavy. Dan, what was your modification? And then Rob, I'd like to hear yours too.
0: Yeah, so I did Kalsu because I love working at, I've actually grown to love working at thrusters at 135 because it just makes the 95 one seem so less menacing. Yeah. So I did f- 50 thrusters, and not that I like doing it, but I just know that there's a, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is I can then get that 95 back and feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. The modification I did was just 50, so 50, 135 pound thrusters for time, and then I replaced five burpees with five pushups at the top of each minute and also starting out the workout. I got 1441, which I was I was between three and five thrusters per minute with the five pushups. And it just takes me so much recovery time that I didn't want to push like six and seven in the first minute or two minutes or three minutes because I knew I could have. That would have just wrecked me and I'd be doing one or two. So try to keep it consistent between three and five. Rob, what was your modification
1: there uh, with the kettlebells? So I just had the set of 20-kilo kettlebells at the house, so I just did Kalsu with those. I was looking for a quick workout Monday night. So I did the five burpees at the top of every minute, and then I thought I could do sets of 10, but they only lasted for like four rounds. And I think I finished in the 12th minute, so it was just like under 13 when I hit the 100th rep. But I, I still don't know how... Nick, I know you say when you do the 100 burpee challenge, you just kind of like belly flop onto the ground. I don't know how you do that without crushing your boys. Like, what's the what's the technique there? <laughs>
2: I mean, I don't really have much. My, my chest is always hitting first. My chest is getting the, the brunt of every burpee. So it's like a swan dive down to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess my hips are hitting too, but it's very similar to a sprawl in wrestling. Your hips, it's chest and hips are, are taking the okay. brunt of it. So, yeah. And I always wear tights. So <laughs> I'm assuming you do too. Yeah. I, I got to work on my, my belly flop technique then. Yeah. The, that workout is absolutely brutal. And I, it's once a year for me, Dan. I, I know when I sent it over to you, it made my stomach hurt just thinking about it. I think the first time I ever did it, I had a hard, I think we time capped it at 30. And then I've worked worked at it and I, I got it in the 16s RX Gosh. last year before going golfing with your brother. And a couple buddies. And now um, how was
0: that? How was that round of golf after Kelsey at 60 minutes? Must
2: have been fucking I, horrific. I mean, no different than any other round of golf that I have. Fucking shit show. Drank too much and talked a lot of shit. So, you know, I I cannot lift a single weight and play like dog shit and lift a whole bunch and do the same. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like I'm any good.
0: You and David is such a demonic golf combination. Just two of the high, the highest risk, high reward golfers in history of America. <laughs>
2: We're so bad, so bad. Feast or famine. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a it's a lot of famine, and then a couple other cool things I wanted to talk to you guys about. For one, so I saw you guys know who Cameron Haynes
1: Cameron Haynes is. I'm, I'm a Rogan fan. I'm a, I've been knowing about Haynes for years. That's like his boyfriend.
2: Yeah, <laughs> boyfriend basically. And he he does these long distance runs, very goggin esque. And you know, he's got this brand now. I know he's like a bow hunter and he's basically like, just keep trucking, keep hammering, I think is is his quote. And he's got a son. So of course his son's a monster. And his son got wind of Goggins' pull-up challenge. And this 22-year-old kid I saw the other day was live streaming his 17-hour journey to do 4,100 pull-ups to beat Goggins' record. So holy shit man this like he started at 3 a.m at whatever time he finished he had to do it in 17 hours and he hit forty one, forty one hundred 4100 strict pull-ups he was doing basically five a minute until i think he had to ramp it up but oh, I, mean, dude, I-,
1: I heard about this but my buddy told me it was cam haynes that did it he was like he's like 50 something years old i was like that is really impressive so it was his son that did it
2: yeah it was just like 22 year old son oh okay did not realize that it was, I mean, his hands were just an absolute mess. But anyway, that kind of motivated me because I've been doing so much strength stuff and like, you know, the strength stuff's obviously fun, but I, I'm like, man, I'm kind of yearning for a little volume. So I went out and did the, the bike erg 40 minute EMOM. First minute was 500 meters on, on the bike erg, which isn't bad. What is that? Like 50 seconds, maybe Rob, if if you're not pushing too hard. And then the second, the second minute was 15 butterfly pull-ups and not, not strict. But, you know, it still added up to be 300 300 pull ups and a 10K bike in 40 minutes. So that was pretty fun and it blew my forearms out. I'll tell you, I I was telling Dan before we started this the heavyweight is what used to really get me sore. Now it's the volume. You know, I did that a couple eight minute AMRAPs yesterday. I know, Dan, you did them as well. And it ended up being 800 double unders. And the way my fucking (laughs) pads feel is just. Absolutely gnarly. Do you feel? Do you feel it more on strength stuff or or volume stuff, Rob? Your your DOMs, if you will. Because these are going to last t- me a couple of days, by the way. <laughs> it's two different feelings for me. If I have like a really heavy day, I have like my
1: body just feels crushed, like my spine is about to crumble. Where if I do volume stuff, my muscles just feel like they're bruised. Like it. Yep, I, same, I can wake okay. up in the morning <laughs> and tell you how my how what kind of workout I did. But it's funny, right. your uh, biker workout is kind of similar. After I did my marathon the next night, I did minute on, minute off, trying to hit 600 in the minute. And then during the rest periods, I would do 15 push-ups. So we did a very similar oh, nice. workout. I, just went, I went for 20 minutes instead of 40.
0: What's your That's review really of the good. biker, Rob, on a, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being the worst piece? Zero would be like those, <laughs> those makeshift concept two rowers that people would be putting on the internet during quarantine, and the 10 would be the perfect piece of equipment. Where are you at with that?
1: It's like a solid 7.5. I mean, for my house, it's the perfect, Perfect piece of equipment. Like, I'd rather have a skier. I think those are just more fun. But for the space I have, man, that thing is awesome. Like, I'm sure cyclists, like enthusiasts, would hate it because the resistance just feels so different. But for something just to smoke you and you're never going to get better at it, I think it's freaking awesome. Like, I can never ride my Airdyne for an hour and a half. And I did that the first time on that Concept 2.
2: Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. It's so smooth and it feels so sturdy. I think everything Concept 2 makes is so legit. So. And it's consistent between devices, right? Like I know assault
1: gets criticized because like calories are different on two, two, like same bike on two different, or two different bikes are going to have totally different calorie aggregations where the concept too, man, those things
2: are dialed in. Yeah, exactly. Anything else around the room? I know Dan, you hit the double under workout that I was just talking about. You you had some interesting points there with, with the calf soreness. If you want to break that down quickly.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, it's probably a, a feeling a lot of our listeners can, can, sympathize with. So I did this, it was two eight minute AMRAPs, 40 double unders, 10 pushups with a four minute rest between each one. And like you said, you did 10 and 10. So what is that? 800 double unders? Yeah. Yeah. I hit six plus seven and six plus 20. So that worked out to be like 500, a little over 500 double unders, which is a lot of high volume for me. And for me, I felt it right in my tip post so the tibialis posterior is a muscle. It's it's one that I think is, is very criminally underdiagnosed in the medical community it's a it's the muscle on the inside of your calf and it is an accessory plantar flexor. So when you are running it has a tremendous role as an eccentric controller of pronation so when your foot lands and your foot is flattening as it lands the tip post is one of the primary muscles that controls the flattening of the foot and it also does help out and push off a little bit too so it helps push your foot into a plantar flex position which is the motion you need for running as well as the motion you need for double unders or jumping rope doing single under so anytime you're jumping rope or anytime you're running you have a risk or a predisposition to have that tip post tendonitis now i was just feeling it a little bit more of like a soreness a little bit of a pain but but i just knew it was because i up my running volume and i did a tremendously high volume of double under so if you do have that inside of the calf type muscle strain man, you really benefit so much from some deep tissue work with a physical therapist that knows what they're doing and then a good aggressive program to to strengthen up the ankles and the hips. So if it is something you're dealing with, that is something it is not, I should stop running because the inside of my calves Or kind of like in the inside of your ankle. You can feel it down there too where that tendon runs. It's something you need to get treated. And it's also something that I think in my experience as a therapist responds really well to treatment.
2: Cool. You have anything to add there, Rob?
1: Yeah, when you have that, tip post pain it's one of those things that people like it almost feels like bone pain like on the inside part of your shin like people call it shin splint sometimes so
3: exactly if you have
1: that shin splint type pain and it feels like bone a lot of times it can just be that tendon there and doing some stuff dan talked about can can really help mitigate some of that pain
0: yeah people think it's the end of the world and it is far from it it's very treatable so if you if you are getting that like definitely you should be seeking some physical therapy care from uh, from somebody that knows what they're doing
2: I'll tell you, anytime I've ever had that pain, I have for one thought it was some type of shin splints. And for two, I have foam rolled it. And it's one of the most incredible pains I'll ever feel in my entire life. Like that muscle soreness and then foam rolling it. <laughs> uh, you could tell me it's the most productive thing in the world and I still probably would never do it again. It hurts so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, it's, it's easier to get have somebody else get in there a little bit more gently because if you put that much pressure with the, the foam roll, it's just It's almost, it causes so much tension and unease. It's almost not worth doing. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And pain. Yeah, so.
2: Yeah. All right, so before we get into the main topic, which is blood flow restriction this week, I know we had a couple good listener questions. So I'll throw it around the room quickly. So your your go-to hard cardio option besides running. So I'm assuming this person asked, you know, if you have a machine, is am I correct there?
0: Yeah, so the, both these questions are from a listener, new new listener. So we got the podcast up. So we also have the podcast on Spotify and iTunes, as I always say. We de- now have this uh, podcast up on Google Play. So this a dude I go to the gym with. He's like, I love listening to podcasts all day. It's all I do. And if you get your podcast up on Google Play, I'm, I'm all game. So he gave us some really positive, responsive feedback. And he was just wondering, I'll throw this guy to you guys. What is the the best Hard cardio besides running, what is your go to? Like you can't run, you know. What is your go to hard cardio
1: for running? It's not an option. So as you brought this up, this reminded me of something. Like I think I was back in like undergraduate, like when fitness blogs were just getting big, and there was this guy. I can't remember the name of his website, but he was putting so much misinformation out there, and he he would promote like was it Move You? No, wasn't Move You. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but I know this guy would just promote doing like long cardio, not lifting, trying to build like this like lean European body and. I, I I don't know why, but back in the day I commented on his webpage and he like emailed me and I ended up writing an article about him about doing barbell complexes. And that that's like the first thing I think of. When you want some like hard cardio that's not like your traditional thing, even an empty barbell and pick like five or six different movements doing them in a sequential way. I know we talk a lot about like the macho man workout or DT, which are just different kinds of barbell complexes, it doesn't have to get that that heavy, just doing an empty barbell complex for a certain amount of rounds, I mean, that you could absolutely smoke your cardio you, just using a barbell.
2: Yeah. I mean, if if we're not talking something like a, an echo bike or an assault bike, I would say something like a thruster, a barbell thruster is is a killer. It, it burns me up. It tears my lungs up because that barbell going over your head. So yeah, a, a thruster or, or a burpee, it's super simple, but- Obviously my de facto answer with all that always is an assault or echo bike, but I'm assuming we're talking if if that's not available.
1: So Nick, if you get, if you get on your echo bike, what's your go-to workout for something that's quick, super intense that, you know, you're going to get a good work from.
2: Yeah. That top right, that top right option. I think it's tense or what is it? It's a four minute workout. It's 20 seconds on 10 seconds off and basically a Tabata and four minutes of your life and you try to get max calories out of it kills you kills you every time.
1: Yeah. And I think the key with the Tabata is it's four minutes where it's a hundred percent effort. I've like, I always see gyms programming. Like, do you do this for Tabata? This is a Tabata. Like if you do it correctly, one four minute set, you should be smoked for like an hour after that. It is a hundred percent effort. If you're going to do that, that time interval.
2: Yeah. The 20 seconds have to be an all out gut check. It's, it's hell. And you need those 10 seconds to continue living yep <laughs> that's, that's the way you got to think about it anyway what about you dan
0: yeah i was thinking along rob's same lines but and i just from knowing this gentleman i think he was thinking more along lines like what rob said a barbell complex but i mean he is a member at our gym so he does have access to the assault bikes which is you know obviously doing the tabata on the assault bikes a great option there too i was thinking more of like a kettlebell complex where you're doing deadlifts squats and then swing something like that really simple you can cycle through and you know even doing like prolonged kettlebell swings with like a little break or maybe a Tabata setup, something like that. I think for whatever reason, swings, especially heavier swings, really, really gas my cardio system as well.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. They they don't for me. And I think that's what's so cool about this question is that everyone's yeah, different. I,
0: yeah. Cause I was thinking like, yeah, I, I guess everyone is different, but if I'm, if I'm doing swings, I, I guess my grip will probably go at some point, but after a while, man, I, I get pretty wind if they're heavy enough.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to if you want to modify it throw them overhead and piss Rob off but I'll tell you that that makes it a little tougher <laughs> the second piece I, I'm, not, I'm not sure we're, we're talking trap bars here right w- what was that question
0: yeah so he was just saying uh, th- this he, he's getting in shape and has a little bit of gut action going on and he's just wondering if you have a gut or if you're you know just getting into lift in you have a little extra weight in the front is a trap bar a good option versus the conventional deadlifts he was having some problem with conventional deadlifts I you know like we had on the Deconstructing the deadlift episode, I say definitely. I think the trap bar is probably going to be a little easier to get down in that position.
1: Yeah, I I think I've hammered it home enough that I'm a huge fan of the trap bar for teaching. No matter what your your body habitus is, if you're, I mean, a gut shouldn't be getting in the way of a barbell. It's probably more just like the mobility of getting down in that bottom position. So if you don't have a trap bar available, setting up some blocks or putting some bumper plates on the ground to elevate the bar where you're deadlifting from probably work almost as well as a trap bar. If you have a trap bar available, I think that is a excellent option because it's just going to bring that center of mass of the weight in line with your spine and it just it takes
2: the skill out of the deadlift motion. It's just so much easier to teach. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add other than I was going to say the same thing about the gut. You know, some of the biggest deadlifters in the world have pretty large guts. Yeah, so- yeah that's that's
0: the thing. <laughs> You're in good company because some, some of the best are definitely not thin in the front, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, I mean my whole thing with everyone is use the use the trap bar. If you're comfortable with it, keep doing it. But but maybe use it at the same time as trying to fix your mobility and, and work to be able to do at least some variation of that pull from the ground from a you know, conventional deadlift bar.
0: Yeah, I would say working on your mobility and also making sure that that posterior weight shift and that that true you know neutral spine with the posterior weight shift and you're not bending your knees too much in the squat, which kind of goes a little bit against what the trap bar is trying to do. But again, I think that if you train for that variation, being able to do it with the trap bar and then also being able to do it with a conventional deadlift bar, I think that's a, that's a powerful combo if you can hit it with both. And I don't think a gut should 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 limit you too, too much there. So that might be more of a mobility thing, kind of like you guys were hinting at.
2: Yeah. And look, if you want to end up increasing your power clean, squat clean, snatch, et cetera, you're going to probably need to work on that mobility anyway. So you, you definitely don't want to go completely away from it, especially if he works out at your gym does CrossFit stuff, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, knowing who it is, I could definitely, you know, I'm sure I'll be happy to help him out. He's somebody I work out with in the morning sometimes. So again, awesome. you, you get the strategy of fitness
2: live. So yeah, awesome. <laughs> sweet. Cool, cool. All right, so let's let's go into this week's big topic. We touched on it last week, maybe two weeks ago, dr- building our dream gym. But we talked about BFR blood flow restriction. So I'll kick it over to you, Rob. Start off with a little deeper dive of what it is and why we do it and why it works, etc. Uh, so very
1: superficially, blood flow restriction. All we're talking about is doing exercise with some kind of tourniquet on that's restricting how much blood flow is going in and out of your limb. And there's some certain <laughs> effects that happen with that. And bringing this topic up, I didn't know how much listeners would be interested in it. So I, I want you guys to kind of be my gauges for if I'm getting too too deep into it. I also want to know like you guys, like Nick, I know like when you were with teams, did you guys have exposure to this at all? And then Dan, I know you said the new place you're working, you have access to the units, but like around the room, what what is your experience with blood flow restriction?
2: Yeah. So me real quick, when at the team, before I left, maybe six, eight months beforehand, they got this new cart that they were pulling around. It was basically a torture cart and they were walking around, putting it on people's legs and arms (laughs) and basically experimenting with it saying, okay, go do a bunch of curls with this thing wrapped around your biceps or do some air squats. And we basically had challenges and it gave you a feeling like you've never had before. So very little exposure but enough to see why i see some people wrapping those elastic bands around the top of their thighs when they're doing squats i never really understood that i'm assuming they're trying to simulate that same feeling
0: yeah clinically and you know this is kind of the kind of the new hot chick in the physical therapy world have not got the experience to use it we do have a, a set and we're going to talk about the different types but i really we had a set that was you know, brought to our clinic, but I haven't really done the, the coursework for it. And it's probably not a set that I'd feel safe using without doing the coursework. So that as, a, as a therapist, you want to make sure you're getting the continuing education from the the proper sources. So like I said, in the new clinic I'll be at, I think they have the proper setup there for it. And we'll talk about some of the different designs, but I don't have much experience with it. I've listened to several podcasts on it and I've done some reading on it. And the, the studies that are out, the scientific studies look good and really show some good efficacy of blood flow restriction, especially and, an athletic and sports population early post operative treatment. So, I'll throw it over to Rob and just talk about like what it is. You know,
1: so I'll go a little bit into the backstory. So, the the most popular guy out there right now is Johnny Owen. So he's a PT. He worked with the DOD for a while. He came up through the Center for the Intrepid out out of Texas. So that's a, a philanthropic facility where a lot of guys would go for rehab after coming back from the war if they. Were amputees or limb salvage guys. They they would they have an out, uh, outstanding facility there. And Johnny got his his start with the Ideo brace. So what that is, it's like if you're familiar with Blade Runner or Oscar Pistorius the, the runner, anybody that has like an amputated limb and they run with one of those carbon fiber prosthetics. He came up with a or with him in an orthotic came up with a exoskeleton that would be for guys that come back from war that were able to to salvage limb. They wouldn't have the strength in that limb to be able to run. So this exoskeleton type brace is what they designed there for helping guys getting back to activities like running, playing basketball, more dynamic stuff. Issue with a brace like that is it takes a lot of force to be able to use the mechanical advantage of like a carbon fiber kevlar orthotic. So guys that had these incredible injuries to their legs, they just they they don't have the strength to, to maintain and use this orthotic. And they were seeing guys that had limbs that were amputated were getting back to running faster because they could just put the, the prosthetic limb on and kind of get back to the activity. So Johnny got to this place like, what can we do to get these guys strong? And like we've talked about here in the Getting Strong episodes, you need to load a limb to around like 65 70% of your one rep max to actually get a hypertrophy or, or strength effect. But if you've had such a significant injury that you can't tolerate that, how do you train a limb to build strength again? I mean, that's where he started looking at some of this blood flow restriction research. And all it was is just taking like a surgical grade tourniquet, putting it on the limb.
3: If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase, exclusively at drinkag1.com/proven grit. That's drinkag1.com/proven grit. Check it out.
1: And doing exercise at very low load, like nowhere close to 60 or 70% of one RM. And you were seeing some pretty incredible increases in strength over like a six to eight week period where these guys that were that would go months and months of heavy training that had access to programs like Nick was at, like these Thor programs with outstanding strength coaches and PTs, they would go months and months and make no improvement in strength and just going through a cycle of BFR would be able to put a significant amount of strength on. So that's kind of like. The backstory of where BFR came from, you want to kind of get into the science of why why we think it works next?
2: Yeah, yeah, let's
1: yeah, I'd love to. So we talk a little bit about like type one and type two fibers here, so type one being the slow twitch, like we don't want to focus on those type fibers. Those are the really efficient ones that we're gonna use for activity when we can, but they aren't the ones that make you big and powerful. You want to train type two fibers. So, to do that, you need to train heavy weights. And like we said before, if you're injured or you can't tolerate super heavy weight, how do you access those type two fibers? So, let's say we're trying to train the quad muscle down in the leg. We put a tourniquet on the lower leg, fill it up with air so you can't get the same amount of blood into the leg. And we do a super light exercise. So, let's say we're just doing a body weight squat, do a super high repetition set. So, that's going to be slow twitch fibers that are being worked, right? So, we'll do a set of 30 fatigue out those type one fibers. And since there's not blood coming into the limb, there's not oxygen coming into the limb, I can't recover. So I'm going to come back after a 30 second rest and do a set of 15 after that. And now during that set of 15, I have to access those type two fibers to get the work done, even though the external load is not enough to access those type two fibers. Does that make sense? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, th- I, th-
0: I think that would you describe it as almost like an energy systems hack?
1: That's exactly what it is, right? Your body's always going to want to take the more efficient route. And when you can't force it to take the, the more inefficient way with heavy heavy weight, this is like a, a hack to kind of bypass your body's intelligence to to access those type two fast twitch fibers.
0: It's really cool science. And, and I think the thing that's so exciting about it in the physical therapy world is it just, it, it answers one of the greatest questions and and something that, me and you. I mean, I, one of my biggest headaches is when we get a post-operative patient, and you have this disgustingly long, rigid protocol. And you want to, you know, I think that, especially given our, you know, strength and conditioning, especially your strength and condition background, there's all these things that you can't do that you want to get to. This kind of allows you to to get to it quicker. I think is the biggest thing. And get that strength built up as quickly as possible in a safe manner.
2: Yeah,
1: and there's this this rule, like when you're training, whether you're in a rehab environment or you're just watching people in the gym that kind of go through like the machine circuit, like if you can sit there and talk to somebody or be on your phone, like you're not doing enough work to cause any physiological change. And if you can't get somebody to use enough weight to cause that kind of discomfort and push them into that zone, BFR, like as you experienced, Nick, just doing something like a one pound dumbbell curl gets you into that zone pretty fast where you you get tunnel vision and all you can focus on is this one very specific exercise. And I think if it's somebody that's elderly that can't tolerate heavy weight, or if you've just had an injury and you can't tolerate a heavy kind of weight, this is an easy way to expose your body to a significant amount of stress, where if you're in a rehab stage, you're minimizing atrophy, or if you're just in a rehab phase trying to get stronger, it's an like easy way to put muscle back on.
0: That's a great breakdown, Rob. Thank you. That was really cool. Um, and Just a good history of everything. Um, I don't know if I knew all of the stuff with Johnny Owens and, and the populations he was working with early on. That's really
2: cool. So yeah, I it, guess I have a couple questions just for the user, or for the listener. So for one, can you do this without the $5,000 machine? Yeah,
1: that's where I want to get to on this. So just the procedure of how you do this, right? So you don't want to just completely occlude blood flow to your limb. So there's certain percentages you want to occlude blood flow. So if we're talking about doing the lower body, you're going to put a tourniquet, always goes as proximal or as far up as you can get on the limb to be safe. So with one of Johnny Owens' machines, the Delphi machines, what it's going to do is inflate, figure out how much pressure it takes to fully occlude blood flow into your leg, and then you're going to do exercise at 80% of that. So it has a Doppler system in there to track blood flow, so it knows you're still getting 20% arterial inflow. So arteries bring blood out from the heart, veins bring it back. You're still getting the inflow of blood into the limb. But you're not getting any venous return out of there. So that's enough of a metabolic stress to get the effect. And when we talk about training up in the arm, it only has to be about 50% of your limb occlusion pressure. So if you're going to do BFR on your own, you need some way to figure out what your limb occlusion pressure is. So there's, there's devices out there that inflate with a, a hand tool and there's the Delphi system that's a pneumatic kind of automatic thing that'll measure it for you. If you don't have a way to measure how much pressure is going into the cuff, you shouldn't be doing it all. You shouldn't just take a rubber band or like a, a wrist wrap and just wrap it around your limb. There should be some way to measure the amount of pressure that you're putting into your limb.
0: And it's interesting too, because you know, in doing my research for this, what you think, you know, is what what I thought would be the biggest is- issue or contradiction. would be okay. Somebody has some sort of undiagnosed deep vein thrombosis or or some sort of issue from an arterial or from a venous standpoint that could dislodge and cause some really, really serious harm or possibly death. And it's not really not that case. I mean, obviously, that's a a concern. And obviously, as a clinician, you should be worried about that. But what, what you're talking about as far as people doing it with the voodoo bands or the rubber bands or any sort of other tourniquet that doesn't have a way to measure that. Danger is demyelinating the nerve. So, if you really occlude that limb enough, you can cause a nerve issue in which that nerve cannot recover. And then you have a limb that doesn't really work that great. Nobody wants a limb that doesn't work. So, is that, you know, kind of what they talk about the Owens course to Rob?
1: Yeah. That's your your biggest concern with doing the the blood flow restriction is nerve injury. The things that prevent that is doing it as proximal on the limb as you can. The more soft tissue you have su- supporting around the nerve, the the more safe it's going to be. Measuring the amount of pressure, like if you're only working 50, 80% of your limb occlusion pressure, you're not going to have a nerve injury because when you're having surgery done, you're working, you're above 100% of that for hours at a time to limit how much blood's going into the limb. And then the, the nicer kits out there that do BFR are like a, a wide cuff that has even pressure. If you're using something very thin, like a rubber band, that's going to, I mean, it makes sense. Like the less surface area you have is going to create more of a hot spot area and you're going to be more prone to causing compression on a nerve there and potentially having a nerve injury.
2: Super interesting stuff. This is, I'm like kind of reading about it, looking it up all at the same time. If you're totally new to this, I, I think ESPN
1: has a video out there. I think it was Dwight Howard, like a few years ago, because he's he's he had notoriously had like terrible knees, and there was a season where, in the offseason, all he did was BFR and recover. And they had like a nice schematic of showing how the blood flow works during the activity and showing him going through some of his rehabs. So that's a, a good resource to look up. And then and then as far as like brands to look out out there. If obviously if you have an injury, I, I think when you're looking out for like a PT clinic, look for the places that advertise BFR, especially listeners of this show. I think that's something that you should be looking for in your, your medical care if you do have an injury. If not, if you're just like you're you're a freak and you want to do some of this stuff on your own, some other ones out there are Katsu, so K-A-A-T-S-U. They have a couple units that are cheaper than your Delphi's that are going to be hand pump units. I would just recommend going to see a PT or somebody that can measure your limb occlusion pressure before you go do this on your own. So you have a hard number of what your limb occlusion pressure is that you can set it to every time. And then the other one out there that's that makes a pretty good quality band is Be Strong. Another hand pump one that you would need to figure out your limb occlusion pressure before you did it on your own. But if you if you're interested in doing this on your own and not in a rehab application, because if you just want to get bigger and stronger, like this this is a great addition to your, your home program, right? Like you, you should do your heavy lifting. That's always paramount. But if you want to do some accessory work after this on your arms or your legs, like this is an awesome application where you can get some extra work in without totally stressing your joints or your, your body with, but still see some amazing effects.
0: Yeah. uh, Two other ones, uh, the hand pump unit, smart tools has been very popular and has gotten good reviews. And then Emilio, I think we're, really gross. So I can never pronounce his last name. But He has the modern edge. He was the first one that came out with like the grass and uh, the kind of knockoff. He has like the the modern edge BFR, which I think are very similar to what you're talking about. So two other brands out there as well.
1: Yeah, He's, he's got like his hand and everything. I feel like.
0: Oh, he's got all the hands. I don't know if he's got any more hands left. <laughs> Interesting guy though. I like to hear him talk. I've heard him on a couple podcasts. He's definitely got something to say and sounds like a pretty, pretty good dude. So shout out to him.
1: Yeah. And just in general, like BFR itself, like there's a lot of new therapies that come out there. And we, I, I always say, like strength and conditioning itself, like it's, it's, we figured it out pretty well. I mean, there's all different programs that come out here and there that change things slightly. In the time that I've been in the field, BFR is like the one thing that's come out that has outstanding science behind it. That's like, I, I, would call it a game changer. Like it's, there's some significant benefit there. Johnny's got over 40 clinical trials going right now. So there's the research behind it. Like it's a, it's a really cool thing that's going on. It's not accessible to everybody, but I think it's something that if you're in this fitness game that you at least need to be aware of. I think that
0: education piece and, and Nick, you you know, just with your background, you get kind of the, the best, the latest and greatest before everyone else does. So it's kind of cool that you have experience with that. Uh, does it like you know hearing about some of the science behind it? Does it change like what you thought about or make you understand how you felt a little bit better?
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely makes me f- makes me understand it a little better. Makes me understand why they're using it because a lot of times they were using it in the rehab setting when guys were hurt and they were bringing it out kind of an experiment on us at the end of workouts as burnouts. But they were using it primarily for dudes that were broken and and trying to rehab. So totally get it. Makes a lot of sense. And I'm interested to see if it's a fad or if it's something that develops and becomes mainstream, because I know a lot of these things are the latest and greatest and then it's on to the next one. So interesting to hear from you guys and others that are potentially either using it or tuned into, to this type of science and tools. If if this is going to be something that is, you know, the future. So. The
0: one one thing I think it is the, definitely like rob said it's a kind of a game changer and very exciting in the rehab world i would be and you guys could both weigh in on this i'd be very curious to see if you had like let's say you have a smart tools type pneumatic uh pump setup and you you're at a gold's gym and you just see the guy next to you pumping up his cuff and you know checking his pulse and doing the <laughs> occlusion like that'd be kind of a fucking crazy world you think you see that day happening either of you
1: I mean, if the cost of the the machine goes down and the education goes out there, the science is there to support it. like I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility
2: that's weird, yeah, who the hell knows, man? We're wearing technology now, I'm sure it's just gonna become more prevalent and it's gonna become cheaper like everything else and if you can you know get your baselines easily and then go use these machines i'm I'm sure gyms will love to have them that's interesting, yeah I you know.
0: I really haven't thought about it to, until you mentioned that kind of Rob using that accessory work. I could see the uh, CrossFitters doing butterfly pulls to so these things, in about you know six years <laughs> we'll get to that point, I'm sure.
1: Well, I've seen videos. I want to say it was like Annie Thorstadter doing some like BFR squats, but she was using the the rubber voodoo bands, which again I'm I'm totally against, but it's not can't do it. Like it's not foreign to that community. And when you have guys like Matt Fraser that are probably bringing in millions of dollars a year, I mean, it's probably not far off or he maybe he's already has that
2: in his, his program now. Who, who knows? It's crazy to think about where it's going to be, where it's going to go. Because like you said, those voodoo bands, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> but, <laughs> thankfully, you just outlined them. <laughs> Anything else on, on this BFR topic before we move on? So you're saying
0: my ultimate warrior uh, tassels are no good
2: anymore. <laughs> I
0: can't wear those anymore.
1: <laughs> That's not the way you want to do it. Okay. (laughs) I I think we can get into like the science of why why it works. I I think that's probably beyond the scope of what we're trying to get here today. I just I think just exposing the listeners to what it is and like if I I think that probably the most practical application if you do have an injury, I, I think this is an essential for anybody that's super fit and active. If you have a significant injury, like you should be doing BFR in your acute rehab. You need to look out for a place that has this technology available.
2: I think that's awesome and a good way to to end it because I'm betting 80% of the people don't even know what the hell this is and everyone's going to probably hurt themselves at one point. So now you can look for this when that day inevitably comes, not to be a downer, but (laughs) it's a fact. Cool. Your next piece that you put out here, Rob, I thought was a great question. And it's it's a basically an open topic of your quarantine nutrition tip. So everyone's dealing with some stuff here. Two weeks in, three weeks in, there's no end in sight. What are you guys doing specifically, Rob? You th- I feel like you you probably aren't phased by this, but let's let's kick it over to you, Dan. First, what's what's your nutrition tip? What are you doing? Anything special?
0: Yeah, yeah I just. I always half-ass it. I do shortcuts all the time as far as getting the, getting the frozen chicken. You know, like I get like the, like I said, of grilling my own chicken, I'll get like the frozen chicken that's grilled, but you just pop it in the microwave, you know what I mean? So I'm getting all the yeah, chicken, yeah. but it's, it's probably not the best, you know, but it's better than, you know, the other shit I would buy. So I'm always constantly taking these shortcuts with, with nutrition. It's just, you're in the quarantine. Really, there's nothing else you have with time. I'm really taking time with the veggies and, you know, just cooking everything in the oven, just trying to make, you know, as many meals on the grill as possible and just use it as an opportunity to, to really just do some good home cooking with decent, you know, whole ingredients and just spend your time. You know, that's one thing I'm always shortcutting time. I'm always trying to make something quick in the morning because I'm using the best of the time I have, but that's time. Time is not a commodity right now. <laughs> it's, uh, I've never had more time in my life. So <laughs> that my tip.
1: What about you, Rob? So for me, when it comes to nutrition, like my, my issues, if I'm home all day, I kind of graze Like every time I go through the kitchen, I'm going to grab something and snack on it. So my, my self-control I kind of throw in there is I I don't intermittent fast, but if I'm home all day, I just won't let myself start eating anything until like one o'clock. I'll have a coffee in the morning and I'll just sip on that for a while and make sure I'm not having any food until like I have a good egg and veggie meal or egg and meat meal at like one o'clock will be my,
2: my start to the day. Man, it's so crazy. I was gonna throw this out there this week. I know Dan banged on intermittent fasting. <laughs> but I've noticed that I do the exact same thing, Rob, and I've been doing it for probably three or four four or five weeks. And I've probably kept four or five pounds off. Not that I was trying to, but you know, I'm down to like one ninety five, one ninety four rather than two hundred. And the biggest change is I have a shake after my workout in the morning, and that will have a banana and some some peanut butter and some protein in it. But other than that, I'm not eating till two. And then I usually kind of do that, that graze eating a couple, couple strong meals in there, but then I'll, I'll just eat whatever I want. And then I'm done around eight. So that's about a six, six hour window, I guess. And then I'm done until the next day. So I, my tip for anyone is for one day and you nailed it. We all have time. It's usually everyone's excuse. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. You know, you do now you can meal prep. And cook veggies and you know cook, cook, veggies, cook veggies exactly you
0: know, grill grill meat you know you got nothing but time,
2: yeah, and try things, try new things, right, like find yeah. new recipes that are easy and see what it looks like to cook cook a casserole for a week and see how that is split up, and try different type of diet fads that we talked about in episode, I don't know twenty weeks ago,
0: yeah I, I got a comment on that episode. I work with one of my coworkers, a physical therapist named Bob. And he's like, man, that Nick is so aggressive. I was listening to your diet podcast. And he's like, you you know, and it's the funniest tip ever. Uh, I'll never forget it because I actually think about it sometimes. And you're like, you can survive not eating. Like, you will be okay. And it's just <laughs> like that mentality and mindset is just lost on so many people. And it's the same opinion I have on that mindset as with Goggins. It's like, if everyone just had like 3% like Nick Cressy, like you could just not eat and just drink water and you'll survive, like we'd probably be a little better off as a society. It's such a hard
1: tip, but I love it. <laughs> it
2: is a douchey, hard-o tip, but goddamn, <laughs> it works.
1: So, Nick, are you going into your morning training sessions fasted? Do you, you don't eat before your
2: first workout? Nope. Yeah. So, I usually wake up, take some pre-workout or drink a coffee, get in there by like 6:45. Then I, I'll have that shake, but no carbs after the workout. And just like you, I'm getting a meal in usually around one or two. That's awesome. It's, it's nice to see
1: that you can get through like a hard workout without needing fuel beforehand.
2: Yes. Yeah. But again, I mean, I'm, I'm no holds barred. I'm eating whatever the hell I want in that other, you know, eight hours, six hours, whatever it is. Like I'll eat a DiGiorno pizza and a box of cookies. Like I don't give a shit.
0: <laughs> I, had, I had a whole DiGiorno pizza last night.
2: It was fucking awesome, <laughs> man. But yeah, that's the other hack, by the way, frozen pizzas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's your, okay. Now that we're on this, what's your frozen pizza power ranking? What's number one? Oh man,
2: great question! I don't know if you, I, I'm going to go probably Red Baron Supreme with with some pepperoni, onions, mushrooms, all that good stuff on it. Thing crust. I can take down the whole thing really without even thinking about it. What about you? You're a DiGiorno guy, right? Yeah, DiGiorno Rising
0: Crusty. Yeah, I get plain because that's what Bailey likes and. Yeah, I mean, like last night, like I said, we were on the uh, we had a Zoom chat with a bunch of bunch of the old frat buddies, and yeah, had a couple claws and a couple of beers in. I'm just like, you know what? Let's fire up that the It's been a while. <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been a minute, so it was nice,
1: man. It's been a while. But uh, Rob, what about you? What you about probably, you,
0: Rob? You probably haven't had a frozen pizza since 1996. You
1: do you know what? Healthy guy, you. <laughs> Mara and I are huge fans of like Friday pizza night, and there was a like a good two three year period where I was making my own dough and making my own pizza, and I've kind of fallen off of that. So now. Like Aldi has a, a cauliflower crust pizza that's pretty pretty decent. like Aldi is the, the Aldi shit when it comes to frugal, healthy eating man, you can you can oh. get it done at Aldi. Aldi's great. Yeah,
2: that is a good place. I, I recently discovered it. We, we could do a whole episode about Aldi. I'll know about it you know I,
0: I kind of want your Aldi shopping list because we have one of those, and I my wife gets you know they have uh, animal crackers you get for the kids. The ones you buy, at Aldi. I swear to God, they came from heaven. They're just like the most delicious animal. Like I don't even fucking like animal crackers. I get these ones from Aldi. I can't stop eating them. Oh. Be-
1: best thing about Aldi is nobody is there to help you. You just go in and get it done. <laughs> and the, the the guys at the register don't even say hi to you. They just <laughs> ring you up within like thirty <laughs> seconds. It's it's awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's great. That's awesome. Okay,
1: Dan, you're a big like home salad guy, right? Love, love making my home salads. You got to find the Aldi Parmesan crisps to replace the croutons. They're they're a game changer, dude. Aldi Parmesan. Do you got to text me this? Because I that 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 just got me a little excited. They got plain and, and jalapeno. They they make a salad.
0: How's the jalapeno? I love jalapeno.
1: Not super hot, but it's got a little bit more flavor than the plain. It's pretty. It's pretty good.
0: Rob, can you you send us your Aldi shopping list, and I'll throw it up on the gram because I think people would really be interested in that.
1: Let's just let's just live stream it during quarantine since nobody's in there. I'll just live Aldi trip.
0: Nobody gives a fuck. It's basically The Walking Dead in there. You can just (laughs) do whatever you want.
2: That's right. I love it. I love it. Aldi's the shit. I'm with you guys. I'm I'm glad there's other people that are as passionate about it as I am. (laughs) All right, cool. So I think. Diet fads or diet tips, blood flow restriction, listener questions, you know what time it is. I think it's book of the week time, and then we're going to do a a fun hitter's edition. Who's got the book this week? Dan, do you have a fantasy book, or do you want me to take it? Uh,
0: You could take it. I have one in the chamber, but you you take it. Uh, This one we're going to talk about. You you take
1: it. All right, so this one's an interesting recommendation for me this week. I don't know. I went for a run last week, and I started thinking about this book. I have to reread it. I probably read it three or four years ago, but it's by Michael Jordan's trainer, Tim Grover. It's called Relentless. I really didn't like the book at all when I read it i kind of i didn't like this guy's approach to how he he worked with michael jordan like it it just seemed like so ass backwards to me like they hated each other they had a terrible relationship, and he's like, that's just how you have to do it when you're working with elite athletes and I was just like it made no sense to me, but it was really interesting to get the perspective on like Elite Athlete Management is one of those books I want to go back and read, but Relentless by Tim Grover.
0: Oh, I think about this all the time, Robin, and this gets into a, a topic that is uh, kind of near and dear to my heart because me and uh, Nick and, and yourself all love Michael Jordan, love pro athletes. And and I think about this all the time. When you get these people who are so huge, like a Michael Jordan or Tom Brady, I mean, you see now with Alex Guerrero, the stuff that Alex Guerrero and Tom Brady are doing is so asinine to me. And then you look at some of the stuff that Cam Newton was doing early in his career, which was just ridiculous. And, and you get these trainers that uh, unfortunately, and, you know, people will call me a hater or whatever, but these people, it doesn't, some, some of these people have very, very little education on what they're doing and they treat the best people in the world. And it's just always been an interesting dichotomy is, and they get this following of like, oh, that's the guy that trained so-and-so. And like that guy doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. Like Alex Guerrero is a complete fraud on every single level. And he's like (laughs) treating Tom Brady. But when I say that, I sound like a hater. It's like, no, I just know what I know. And I know who knows stuff and I know who doesn't. You know what I mean? I don't know if that gets into the Tim Grover thing or, you know, but did you you see he was just a clown that just happened to know Michael Jordan?
1: You know what I mean? No, like if you read he's got a book out there called Jump Attack. I wish I had it when I was in high school cuz so it's an awesome training program for for jumping. So the guy obviously he knows what he's doing, but his just his whole approach to how he like thought he had to work with Jordan it just made no sense to me and there's no way that I'd ever want to work. So it was just an interesting read. Like I don't think everything you have to read you have to take something from. Like you can read a book and be like I don't ever want to be like that guy. Like that's, that's what I take from reading his book.
0: Yeah. That, that's what I was getting at. Like he might, and even some people do know their stuff and you know, he might be one of those people, but again, it doesn't sound like he was a, a good manager or a good leader of, 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 of men, you know, based yeah. on what you're saying there.
2: Yep. Cool. Relentless. Check it out. We'll put it on the gram, obviously. All right. So this week's Jim hitter edition, very fun little switch up and it's a correction week, boys, as many as you got, that you have put on the list, you've put on the playlist, you can replace them. So, Dan, we'll hand it to you first. Yeah, I actually have five because I know people hate my <laughs> hair metal. So,
0: <laughs> so I'm taking out Back Home Again by Cinderella, which I love, but again, everyone else hates. I'm replacing it <laughs> with After the Party by the Menzigers, the What, maybe my favorite Menzigers song of all time? That's a
2: 8.8 After the Party, the Menzingers. Awesome. I just love that band so much. Rob, the you best. want how many how many do you have, Rob? I just have I have one
1: and I didn't even come up with a good replacement for it. It's cause I was listening to the list. One, our list is getting long, so I want to make sure we're we're making sure it's quality now, right? Yeah. And when yeah. Dan had his like Sam Goody like hitter bin list week, whatever it was, I threw Saint Paul and the Broken Bones out there because they're an awesome band. But now when I hear them come on the playlist, they are they're not a gym Hitter band at all. And I can't find a good replacement for that song by them. So when Obi Trice came on the other day, I started getting into like some entourage songs that made me think of Saigon. So Saigon's mm-hmm. got a song out there. Come on baby with uh Jay-Z in it. So I'm going to replace St. Paul and the broken bones. Call me with Saigon. Come on, baby. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Awesome song. Love that. Love that. Cool. All right. My first one, I wanted this one out as soon as I said it, seven nations Army. gotta go, you know, it's a Raven song. As soon as you said I've heard much in Baltimore, I was like, what the fuck am I thinking? So that one's gone. Putting in T.I. Help is coming. T.I. has not made the list yet. He was he was a great rapper there for a minute. And then I guess he's an actor now. Help is coming is the song. Not sure if anyone's heard it. It wasn't really mainstream, but good gym song. Dan, what you got?
0: So, so the, the uh, Seven Nations Army was not one of my favorites, but did surprisingly well in our bracket. There, I think it got pretty, pretty, pretty far there. So, people, I people know, I, I song, think but,
2: people love that song, but Foggy because yeah. want one go gone. Uh, Trapped under
0: ice by Metallica again is just this is a genre <laughs> that people just don't like. And then, you know, your Chitty Bang song reminded me of this band, MGMT. I'm going time to pretend 8.0. Love that, love that song.
2: Time to Pretend. I'm not sure if I know that song or not.
0: It's, MGMT has these songs that you'll play Time to Pretend and in about 10 seconds, but oh, I fucking love this song, or I hate it, but you'll know it.
2: Cool. Alright, my next one. Looks like Jeezy. I love Jeezy. I actually don't mind the song. Uh, I just remember when I put it up, I, I gave it like a six, and I was like, similarly to what Rob said, the list is getting long. We don't have time for sixes. So I'm gonna replace one super gangster hood rap song with another. G Unit and the song it's called G Unit. It's from their first album, I think, in 03 Fires me up every time I hear it.
0: Awesome. My next you you just did
2: one, correct? Yeah.
1: If if you don't take Victoria's Secret ain't a secret no more off of him, be very upset. (laughs) That was my whole impetus for this. Oh no! (laughs) Every time that line comes on, it just makes me irate. I don't know what is about that line in the song.
0: I, I oh that's staying on forever, sir. You're, 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 no luck here. No luck here. And the next one I have is actually what I threw out last week was twenty two twos and I realized the intro. I was like, oh, we can get through the intro. Then it's got a whole thing on the back where she's talking, and I'm like, people don't feel like looking that over, so I'm like, well, there has to be a Jay Z reasonable doubt song on. And I love the Memphis bleak Jay Z track coming of age. It's just a great, like kind of back and forth rap track and give that eight point eight.
2: Great. Awesome song, timeless album. My last one is going to be, I'm going to remove Fabulous Breathe. Fun party song, kind of annoys me in the gym, to be honest with you. And I'm going to put in some poppy Macklemore, Can't Stop Us. I like the song. Really uh, really fast pace, high tempo. I can't believe Macklemore hasn't been on here yet. I know, I know. He he, surely hasn't, yeah. and that's back from that first album where he got Super big. That song was played out, but now it's to the point where I never hear it. So and when it comes on, I love it. Sweet.
0: My next one is No Mercy by LA Guns. It's one of the first ones I put on there. Again, just a genre people aren't digging. So I'll take it out <laughs> and I'll go see you by Saves the Day. Tell me you've heard this song because this is one of the be- It's a 9.0 and there's no getting me off that hill. I love this song.
2: Yeah, I, I love Saves the Day. I heard and that then, song this week, actually. Nick, do you have
0: another one or that was your three? No, I'm I'm three. Okay. My Michelle by Guns N' Roses, same, same issue. But I'm replacing <laughs> that with an artist that has not been on here somehow. So this was the song that took over America and the world last summer. I think it was summer of, yeah, summer of 20, maybe 2018 it took over the world. But Sicko by Travis Scott, that's a 9.0. Just a classic gym hitter. Robs probably doesn't know who Travis Scott is, but he's a rapper
1: from Houston. <laughs> I, I know he, uh, he makes some Nikes or something.
0: He does make some Nike, some Nike
1: shoes.
2: (laughs) I could hear you, I could hear you disqualify your hitters and your loved genre of music with the same excuse every time, because every single one of those five, you you had to say, again, one of my favorites, but everyone else Mm -hmm. hates it. And I could, (laughs) I could just, it felt like there was pain to every one of those preambles. I loved it,
0: (laughs) deep, deep pain. Well, it's just. It's this, it's this generation that just doesn't understand the, the instrument called the guitar and how it's played. And they just, you know, they don't appreciate, you know, guitar music. So I guess I'm going to fuck myself again.
2: <laughs> oh my God. I love it, dude. So good.
0: <laughs> no, it's all good though. And, uh, our list is awesome. We got like, we are getting a lot of Spotify. You follow the strategy of fitness on Spotify
1: on, um, the Apple music. I'm looking at the list right now. 167 songs, 10 hours and 41 minutes. I that's a lot of workout you can get through with that repeating songs. And they're off,
2: they're, you know, by and large, pretty fucking awesome. So,
1: well, it just got better this week. It's correction week.
2: And it's different, man. You know, like you're not going <laughs> to, you can go throw on an Apple or Spotify soundtrack. And it's the same songs over uh, and over again. This is deep. This goes back to the 80s and all the way to today. So, you know, now volume 68 or whatever it is. This is. Dope.
1: all you got to do is look at the the icon for the playlist and you have drake and florence the machine on there so you know it's 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 variable yeah
2: legends that's what it was absolutely And hey how about how about the uh the most recent poll by the way uh, monster monster winning coming out beating jay-z heart of the city shocking
0: very shocking i i think our listeners have gone insane but you know they are they are the lifeblood of this podcast. So you know, that's, well, I'm telling that's you, patiently
2: winner. waiting almost pulled out that bracket. Right? It was patiently waiting and monster in the finals. Yeah, I just didn't see like
0: I thought that patiently waiting was like that one or ain't no love was going to be like a you know one two classic matchup. But that's why we had the brackets. I mean, monster snuck up out of nowhere. People fucking love
1: that song apparently. So, so where where are we at in the brackets are you trying to get like a final four right now
0: yeah we have three of the final four so the final four as it stands now we have three of the four it's till i Collapse by eminem the second spot is points of authority slash 99 problems with lincoln park and jay-z oh. and then monster by kanye is the third of the final four so i have all that written down and we'll throw up the uh fourth the fourth and final bracket this week and then we'll do the final four
1: it's so, so fucking strong so <laughs> are all about the rap they like they like the hip-hop
0: they like the hip hop, and they they don't have much of an attention span. But they are <laughs> listeners,
2: so <laughs> they don't have much of an attention span.
0: Although That's Monster's a- like a six minute song, I thought that would hurt it, but people people really like that song.
1: Speaking of attention span, have you ever listened to one of the big booty mixes?
0: <laughs> on on what uh, your Pandora from nineteen ninety?
1: I don't know where they originated, but. Like sometimes the football team has it going, or Mara's team likes to listen to it when you lift it. It'll give you like tachycardia, man. Cause there's no like in and out of the song. It's just like the catch from every song back to back. Like you get super stressed out listening to it. It's great for like 20 minutes, but if you listen to it longer than that, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. Was this like a mashup?
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. The ultimate mashup. <laughs> Booty mixes. I was expecting something else.
1: Yeah. yeah. Some sort of mix a lot.
2: Yeah, exactly. Cardi B. All right, boys. Well, another good week in the books. Learned a whole bunch this week. So thanks for that, Rob. And looking forward to to next week, gents. Stay safe out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Take it easy, guys. Later. Later.